Hey, and welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Tobolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss diapers, raccoons, and robot man. I don't want to waste one minute. Let's get right into it. All right, Ryan, we're back. We're back. I'd love to say we're better than ever, but... um, We have a little visitor. A little visitor. Well, it's the 200th episode, first off. Let's say that we've done 200 great all perfect, highly entertaining, uh, very focused episodes of the Tomorrow Podcast. All flawless. Not a, not a bum one in the bunch. Tony has heard them all. We've received his feedback. And uh, and needless to say, he, the man is pleased. Uh, and uh, anyhow, so now on the, on the 200th episode, it's, I think it's a fitting, uh, <laughs> a fitting moment for all of us that uh, a raccoon went on a rampage in my garage last night. <laughs> And is now sleeping on a shelf in my garage. So what, I guess what happened is we had the garage door open and the little the little rascal got in. Uh, then we I guess we closed the garage door and he stayed in. Um, that's our bad. And now and then he, you know, he rampaged. He ate. There was some we had some bird seed in the garage that's been eaten. Uh, he took a dump on a shelf. Opposite of the one he's sleeping on, actually. So on the other side of the garage. That's so very smart. Move. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, don't shit where you sleep, you know, basically. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then now he's asleep on a shelf. I thought he was dead, but apparently raccoons will just like completely pass out. So very upsetting uh, entrance to this uh, 200th episode. But I think it really embodies the chaos of the Tomorrow podcast. <laughs> and. A trash panda could bust in at any time and just eat our bird seed. Any moment, there's going to be <laughs> a whole family of raccoons nesting on my shoulder. Um, at any rate, then, okay, right. So then also, you know, I have a very bad back problem. This is just the Tomorrow Podcast at 200 is just like a 200-year-old man. <laughs> We're just limping along at this just, point. Just, yeah, I've Literally. Got, I, I've got a pinched nerve in my back. I'm trying to, like, sit in a position. I'm actually resting the microphone on my chest. So trying to You've sit in a position. You've had a rough couple weeks. You know what? Uh, look, if this is the worst thing that happens to me, that's great. Yeah, not saying true. It is, not saying it is, but if it were, um, yeah, you know, it's anyhow. Anyhow, but there's a lot going on out there. There's a lot going on in the world. We had a huge day yesterday. Oh my the, god! In the news, and I think we should just we got to talk about this stuff. We have to get it all out there. We have to let Tony and everybody else know how we feel about a variety of topics. Well, we had the big tech congressional hearings yesterday that went on for the first off, they were delayed an hour and everybody on our team was in, at like battle stations. So we just kind of sat there for an hour. Then they started and they went an hour long. So that was, yeah. that was fun. Yeah. Um, but we had the chance to watch our representatives interrogate um, to, you know, some, some to better effect, some to worse, uh, the CEOs of the Four companies that control one fifth of the American economy. Yeah. So right. So we had uh, Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and uh, Google. I was wondering though, do you think Microsoft was like sad it got left out? Because if this was the '90s, they would have been the big dog, you know. Well, well, I mean, they were. They well, had their own little party. 
they had their party and and they actually had uh, antitrust legislation brought, you know, uh, antitrust ca- an antitrust case brought against them. And there was uh, some, you know, some decisions made. They were broken up in some various ways. But, um, you know, I think Microsoft, I mean, the other thing that's interesting is that the, uh, Microsoft is, uh, um, they're not, their internet services are not that prevalent. I mean, yes, they have servers. Obviously, they have a huge cloud infrastructure system. And obviously, a lot of people use their apps, right? The office apps. But they're not really like, it's not the same thing that we were discussing yesterday where, You've got, you know, Apple with its app store that controls a massive amount of commerce and 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 a very it has a very walled garden in terms of who can and can't be participating in their ecosystem. You've got Google who controls search, right, uh, and YouTube, which are two massive, massive like centers of exploration on the internet. You've got Facebook, sort of same thing, right? Like it's a literally like you have to use it to do so many things, right? It's WhatsApp, it's Instagram. And like in, in that way, like Microsoft is interesting. I mean, it, it, of course their reach is huge and of course they have a huge infrastructure and all these apps that people use, but they're not really like gatekeeping much these days. You well, know? what's interesting is that I don't think people understand like the point of the game Monopoly was to teach people what a monopoly was because I don't think they understand it and or they didn't people didn't understand it um and 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 i still don't think that people do right because a monopoly isn't just you own the entire market because yes that is uh, that is what it means like you can have a monopoly on something and own all of it but it isn't just that that's not just the only um bar for having regulation come in and break you up it's that you need to be using your undue influence right like you can be successful but you can't be successful and then use your success in one market to choke out another market so that your inferior service wins despite the fact right inferior right well i mean there's a i think what it what a lot of these conversations illustrate is the fine line between being competitive uh and being anti-competitive you know Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, that line, I think Elizabeth Warren explains this really well, is that Amazon owns the platform and sells products on the platform and competes with the other people on the platform. So it can tilt the platform in its own favor whenever it wants. And that is where you run into some anti-competitive behavior rather than what Microsoft does, which is Microsoft is like, our office apps are really good. And Apple's is like, actually, we made office apps. And then Microsoft is like, yeah, but ours are way better. And then Google comes in and is like, but ours are free. That's competition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's a really, it was a really interesting conversation. I mean, because I think more than anything, uh, I hope at least that you know there was there's a lot of craziness to talk about with these hearings. I mean, really, some some truly outrageous moments. But um, I mean, Jim Jordan and Matt Gates just doing a double act like Velma Kelly and Roxy Hart of like crazy bullshit. Well, there's a whole yeah, I and mean, there's a whole narrative to discuss about the way the Republicans approach this conversation versus the way the Democrats approach it. I mean, and and to be clear. Um, the Democrats approach this as an antitrust conversation about monopolies, about business monopolies and information monopolies. And the Republicans really took it as an opportunity. They thought this was their opportunity to go, uh, hey, you, you won't let our Republican talking points be spread widely on these services. Why are you why are you destroying you know, our free speech? Which is really like is is uh, one, it's uh, not in any way provable or based in facts. And two, it is a sort of Trumpian talking point that they're trying to echo where they 
basically, you know, just like everything Trump does, he wants to, they want to call like, they want to call the material that you're presented with into question. Like they don't have an actual like real story. They just want you to worry that the story that you're getting, I mean, today's a good example of this. Trump tweeted about how, um, you know, maybe they'll delay the election because there's going to be, you know, voter fraud. And, uh, you know, more than anything, he really would love to get people thinking, oh, maybe there is voter fraud, you know, and how can we use that to steal the election or to postpone the election or whatever it is they want to do to stay in power? Because the, you know, the Republicans goal here in as, as always is not to serve the people. It's to stay in power and make them and their friends rich. And I will tell you this, you give me an example of when Republicans have been on the right side of history, at least in the last 50 to 100 years, I'd like to, I'd like to hear about it, where there's been a consensus amongst Republicans where they've been on the right side of, uh, of any issue, to be honest. And, uh, but anyhow, sorry, getting back to the, the actual... Um, yeah, I mean, I was actual... going to say, to what you're saying, the Republicans came to this by saying, okay, you own... Say Facebook has 95% of social media uh, traffic on the internet. Yeah. What their Republicans are saying is you I feel like you're not doing enough for me, so I'm going to break you up and then make whoever I break you up into compete for my approval, as opposed to what the Democrats are saying, which was like, you're choking out small businesses. Our economy is suffering. And eventually you'll be so powerful that the U.S. government will have to bow to you. And since the U.S. government represents the people that's probably not great. So we want to step right. in and make sure that your information technology can't be used to manipulate the levers of government. And yeah. that is like a, a cogent, normal argument and not like, I don't care if you're a monopoly. I care if you're bribing me to be a monopoly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's oligarchy versus democracy again from the two parties. And it, it was, it was interesting because they opened the day by being like this was a bipartisan effort and i'm sure dragging in powerful ceos is a bipartisan effort but what your goals are there couldn't have been like they couldn't have been more different and it couldn't have been better illustrated by like the day's events yeah it's 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 pretty incredible um but the one thing i thought and obviously i think that i do believe that if you were a sane person watching the proceedings you'd be like you know, I mean, literally, it was like the Democrats would 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 be like, oh, in a in a uh, you know 2014 study, it was shown that they like pull out these big data points. They'd be like, there was a report in the New York Times or in the Wall Street Journal that stated that you had these weird contracts with so and so, and that you pressured. They're like, we talked to these people, and they said X, Y, and Z, and then they'd flip over to the Republicans, and it was like literally, literally, and I'm not exaggerating. Like, uh, I I went to Google and I typed in a uh, uh, gateway pundit, and I didn't see it at the top of the results. And then recently I typed it in again and I did see it at the top of the results. Care to explain that? Sundar Pichai, CEO of Google, definitely not the guy who's involved in like the search algorithm, you know? And it's like, anyhow, but it's like, it was like the night and dayness of it was striking. Striking. Well I think like when the Democrats were most effective was when they understood why Republicans are effective and combined it with why Democrats are effective, right? Because so for example, there's this doctor on YouTube called Dr. Mike who always talks about how debunking conspiracy theories and bad medical information like anti-vaxxers anti or, you know, anti-maskers 
isn't about showing them like stats and figures, because if they were interested in those things, they would look them up and then make a decision. It's about like creating a personal connection between those stats and figures, telling a personal anecdote that illustrates what the stats and figures illustrate, and then using the stats and figures to back up your personal anecdote versus um, a completely baseless personal anecdote, right? Like you need to fuse those two approaches together. And I think some of the Democrats did a better job with that than others by saying, like, I spoke to someone who creates blank. They said that you swooped in, took over the market and choked them out. But now they have no choice but to use your platform because you're the most popular place to get that product after you choked them out. Or right. someone who sw- who said, like, hey, I heard about counterfeit products and this is a, a person who I spoke to who it's hurt. This is a quote from them. You know, uh, one of the anonymous sources that work with Amazon said that they basically feel like they're on Amazon heroin because at first it feels good, but then you need it and it just slowly tears your business apart right. to Amazon's benefit. Right. And that kind of stuff, I think, brought home why these this is important. And then the stats and figures were like a great way to illustrate that. But meanwhile, the Republicans like like, you know, Matt Gates, I, I, I can't like he first off just the racism, but also just the sheer like, hey, will you tell me that you're not trying to kill uh, Americans, you're not like helping China to kill our troops. Right. And like yeah. that stuff, it's like it's a, it's a, something you just can't even respond to because it's so baseless and it's so emotionally charged. Right. And it's such a sensitive area that if you or the whole cancel culture thing, like, will you take a pledge that you think cancel culture is bad? And so the CEOs would be like, what are you defining cancel culture? And they, they were the representatives would be like oh well we think cancel culture is when someone has an idea and they're silenced like 1984 george orwell style and the ceos are like right yeah i guess that's bad like it doesn't right. but it doesn't line up but it resonates with people at home who don't understand the issues yeah and i think that <clears throat> so i think that that was uh obviously really interesting to to, pl- to watch play out I mean, the matt gates thing just to put a little context on it i mean he you know, in the in the in the like, I don't know, maybe two hours into the into this hearing, you know, he's like, um, he's like, do you, you know, he basically kind of like swift flipped the whole conversation. He was like, just you know, do all of you CEOs like, uh, you know, re- respect and uphold American values? And then like he has like this like fake pause where they all like presumably were like, yeah, we do. He's like, okay, good. I'm glad glad to see you're all true Americans or whatever. And then he's like, and then he turns. It's like he turns like. He's like, oh, so Sundar Pichai, the only brown person on on the panel, uh, the only person not, you know, natively from um, America and um, born in America and starts asking him these questions that were like McCarthy era, like, you know, well, you say you support America, but yet you broke your contract off with the military and you your your employees are pressuring you to break your contracts off with uh, with the police. And, you know, it's, it was a really I thought of extremely racist moment like I thought it was clearly like designed to make people question um, Sundar Pichai's loyalty to America and question, you know, Google's loyalty as an American company. It was pretty ugly, like a pretty ugly thing. And and like clearly is like is a reflection of the politics that we're <laughs> that we're living in, in this moment, you know, and and uh, especially and, you know, because all of these companies are what they the Republicans constantly talk about as American success stories, American innovation, bootstrap stuff. Tech is the future of our economy. Like, the you know, learn to code all of that stuff. The only way that, that then you can spin it is being like, 
but the globalist CEOs are coming in and ruining it. Right. And, and, you know, it was, it was, but it's, again, it, it goes to that point that we were talking about, which is like the um, Republicans didn't really want to talk about antitrust. They wanted to talk about their weird um, political positions and they wanted to get people conspiracy fearing, theories, conspiracy theories and fearing, you know, these, the, you know, fearing big tech, not because big tech actually is bad for, you know, I mean, human beings because of the way that, you know, in many of the ways they function, you know, they've kind of like perverted the flow of information and 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 done all sorts of things that we really should be concerned about and do have like business monopolies. But but they they really want to say, you know, their their point is be scared of big tech because they're going to suppress your right wing opinions and that's going to ultimately harm, you know, American democracy when, you know, they, of course, ironically, when you look at Kevin Roos, a reporter at The New York Times. Every day or every so, you know, every so often we'll, we'll post the, here's the top 10 most circulated posts on Facebook today. And they're almost always, uh, almost uniformly, um, you know, rep- hardcore Republican propaganda, you know? And so anyhow, so, so the long and short of it is like, there were no, there were no solutions arrived at. There were no, I wouldn't say there was anything that was a revelation. I mean, I think there was a moment where. I mean, listen, some of these Congress people actually did a really good job of bringing up reported pieces and bringing up, um, uh, you know, studies and and bringing up like, you know, quotes from the past that these people have made and and saying, hey, this stuff really does look like a clear case of uh, a violation of our antitrust laws in this country. You know, this really does look like Facebook purchasing Instagram and Mark Zuckerberg saying in explicit terms, we will purchase all of our competition until we are able to purchase Google. Yeah, and the Verge had a great scoop. They got the email. These are emails that were discussed. I mean, uh, they they were like essentially brought in as evidence. So I, they got them early somehow. Um, but the but the uh, Nadler and uh, some of the other Congress people sort of discussed these emails in detail, and they were really it was like you know very clearly Zuckerberg saying. Well, we th- these guys could be you know real competition. So if we buy them, we can neutralize the potential for competition. Which like uh, this is a gray area. I think like in this country, you're expected to be super competitive, and uh, it is very normal to buy people that you are in competition. I mean, it's not it's not abnormal to purchase a competitive service. It's just like the way they've done it, the way they've discussed it, and and the reality of the situation definitely raises like huge questions. I mean, saying to uh, Evan Spiegel, uh, where we were developing an exact clone of your service, and if you don't sell to us at this bargain basement price, we'll choke you out, yeah. is anti-competitive behavior. Yeah, I think it's also, um, yeah, I mean, there definitely was some revealing stuff in there. I think that we also just are, um, you know, I think we all assume that. And so I was sort of like, yeah, okay, I totally I totally believe this. This all makes sense to me. This completely checks out. But also nothing about this is surprising. Yes, but I didn't know the diapers.com case. And I knew that um, Jeff Bezos and Amazon actively harmed the sellers that are on their platform. I knew that that was obviously going on. I mean, they have policies where they say they don't look at seller data when making their own product decisions, but it's like in name only, like it's a, it's an honor code. Anyone has access to the data and probably uses it constantly. I mean, why wouldn't you? Um, But the diapers.com case was interesting because 
they were talking about how when they wanted to buy diapers.com in the lead up to making an offer, they sold diapers at a loss in order yeah. to like slow diapers.com's momentum until yeah. they then purchased their competitor and jacked the prices up higher than either of them had had them before. And that is the kind of harm that happens to consumers, especially new mothers is a particularly like uh, egregious group of people to like jack the rates up on. And, and I didn't know that that case happened. And it was just, it, that is the perfect example of mixing like actual evidence and data. And then a really illustrative, emotionally resonant example of that, that I think had there been more of that, we would have had more outrage, right? Like Tim yeah. Cook got yeah. off pretty easy. I think that if anything comes down, the hammer comes down on anybody. I think Tim Cook is the person who had the most to lose with the app store situation. Cause it's a pretty clear fix to implement. Um, and I think he managed to get Apple into a position where they won't have to do that, at least in the U S. Yeah. I mean, I actually think that it, it I mean, it, for a while it seemed like Bezos was, uh, going to get off really easy. I mean, it was just like, he was not getting, any questions or any tough questions and tim cook really i don't think he he uh was particularly you know battered by the proceedings i thought he probably got off with the least uh well he pressure. kept his cool the best which is obviously a talent of his but his ability to speak like a college professor explaining something that you should really feel just calm about it you know it's not a big deal yeah um and to stop and be very polite and to um, allow the theatrics to go forward, let people get it out, and then yeah. very calmly and reassuringly say the opposite, whether or not it's true, um, was, I mean, it was masterful, as opposed to Zuckerberg, who looked like a robot, and Bezos, who kept talking over people and ranting and raving. I mean, right. well, Sundar Pichai was like, fine, but I think yeah. Zuckerberg and Bezos looked like, they looked like what they are, which is like egotistical narcissists with like way too much power in their personal and professional lives. Yeah. And I, so I think, you know, and so at the end of it, it wasn't like we arrived at like what I would consider to be, you know, the um, smoking gun or whatever. You know, there was no there was no thing where it's like, OK, now like we know what we're going to do. We know what we have to do. I do think, however, if there's any like takeaway that I have from that conversation uh, yesterday, it's, I think hopefully that more people start to think about and see and worry about, I mean, your diapers.com I mean, I knew about the diapers.com thing. Um, uh, I mean, I remember reading about it, uh, and obviously like, you know, because Laura has written a lot about babies and kids and motherhood and all that stuff. Like, I think I've been a little bit more aware of some of those those stories because it really is like if you weren't really paying attention that's an easy one to miss perfect illustration of the monopoly i mean they also talked about you know this crazy stuff they did with the pop sockets guy you know where they're Ugh. like where they're like oh oh you the, the pop sockets people are like well we have a bunch of uh you guys have a bunch of um counterfeit pop sockets on amazon you take them down and amazon was basically like yeah we'll take them down if you do like a marketing deal with us and put pop sockets like exclusively on amazon or whatever and uh you know, maybe not exclusively, but some some weird terms where they get leverage over pop sockets. You know, that kind of stuff is really crazy. Meanwhile, you know, Amazon is actually rampant with um, with with counterfeit goods. I mean, like I have I've purchased many counterfeit phone cases from Amazon. You know, Louis Vuitton. I tweeted about it yesterday, and 
anyhow, the point is, so my hope is that not that we're going to suddenly have legislation, not that we're suddenly going to have cases brought against these companies, although I do think every one of them, there is a absolutely, there is grounds for antitrust um, cases to go forward against each of those companies. I, I think mean, I think it's worth taking a moment and saying what we think is a good idea because I, I I haven't seen it clearly outlined anywhere. And in fact, you know, we should say that I think that iOS needs to have some competition with its app store. It needs to allow people to run unsigned code or some kind of solution that allows for the opening up that platform. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, even the, the 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 default apps conversation. I know they're doing some default app stuff, but like not giving consumers a choice on what browser you can set as the. I mean, that's this is this is Microsoft antitrust like all over again. Yeah, it's the same. It's literally the same thing. You know, it's like they they create a situation where you're you're pushed into their their goods and their services and their stores, and like that's the that is a perfect example of the root of antitrust and now now tim cook will go and he did say look we face we, we face fierce competition you know android and if you look at the market share it's true that actually android has a larger piece of the market share but what is also true is that um you know if you've got 50 49 market share and you're not offering your consumers options that's still a pretty massive amount yeah. of 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 people who are not getting a, i think a fair shake from from the platform you know I mean, it's not like it's not nothing. It's not like you know. There's six other brands ahead of them. You know, it is like Android and them. But the, and Android has essentially an open platform. You I was going to say store, you're not talking about just Android. You're talking about every Android manufacturer, and you're talking about right. an open standard and competing with an open standard. If you think about it, it's, the iPhone as a all-in-one product from one manufacturer, it is far and away the biggest share of american mobile phones yeah and it's and it's 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 the incredible i mean that is the point it's like this is literally a rehash except it's in reverse i mean this is a rehash of i mean you know apple made these same claims uh uh you know they basically made made these claims about about microsoft and windows you know back in the day and microsoft had... pointed to linux and mac and right. frankly that's not enough of a reason because consumers end up getting locked into Internet Explorer and they end up getting locked into Microsoft's Internet services. And I think we can, anyone at home can appreciate the fact that Chrome and Firefox and Safari should all ex be able to exist and have, and be an option on your computer. Like well, that seems really, pretty obvious. I mean, what's really crazy too about, I, I believe about um, uh, those versions of those browsers on um on iOS still use the underlying, you know, Safari framework for the browser. So it's like they added stuff on top of it, but they're, they're not even the code, the code bases aren't, I think dramatically different in terms of, of like the, you know, the, the web browsing. So it's like they lock people into much, much stricter standards. I mean, uh, uh, than um, than obviously than Android does. So, I mean, they did the example of pulling those parent, like parental control apps from the, the store on, you know, happened to be the exact same time when they dropped screen time and and all of their proprietary parental yeah. control features. And that's a perfect example of, well, all those parental control apps, whether or not they weren't safe or whatever, they, they, they're they not being, you're not being forced to create competition. They just don't exist anymore. And the only yeah. person in that market is Apple. And yeah. that's a really precarious place to be, especially when you give Apple 30% of your revenue. And when the government is also taking, uh, that was a, another great line. The government's taking 25% and Apple's taking 30%. So where does that leave software developers? Because Apple can turn around and make the exact same app and they can cut that 30% price off the top because 
they're already getting all the profit. Right. And I should say, by the way, I'm actually looking at a chart, and I don't know how accurate this is from Stat Counter, um, that says that the U.S. market share for iOS is 58%. Uh, so, so if that's true, and I mean, I, I've been, I thought it was a little bit closer to 50, 50, if they've got 60, roughly almost 60% of the market share, then there's no question that this needs to change, you know, but like, there's also like, I think there's a tremendous argument about Google and its services, right? You know, it is pretty crazy that when you search Google, they're able to a serve up content that they are promoting or creating, right? Like they're their ticket, you know, airline ticket app or their shopping, you know, portal or whatever, or, and B, that they're pulling content from other, um, from other providers that would, you know, more reasonably could, would be more reasonably expected to give you that information. You know, and on the one hand, it's like, I totally understand the, the ease of use factor. And I do believe that Google has made it easier to get the information that you're looking for. Um, and to get the right information, but it does raise like huge questions. I mean, th- just the fact that they own YouTube is to me is like one of the big ones, right? If YouTube is, is, is the biggest social net or one of the, sorry, one of the biggest social networks in the world. And certainly the, the biggest video platform, uh, for user generated video, it's sort of insane that Google owns it. It sort of doesn't, it actually doesn't fit with a lot of Google's other products when you think about it. And I think you could make, this is the same with Instagram and Facebook. I think you could make a pretty good case that. If you have Facebook, you don't need Instagram too. And if you have Google, you don't really need YouTube. Well, Google has Google. It also has Gmail. And as much as email is an open standard and there's so many email services, Gmail is such an outsized portion of the market that if Google changes its algorithm to decide everything from your email service provider is spam, that's it. You Proton Mail doesn't exist anymore. And yeah, so, it doesn't. Proton Mail's gone. No, no. I'm saying if they decided that Proton Proton Mail looked a little too much like spam, they could just throw it all in the spam folder, and then nobody can use Proton Mail to talk to Gmail users, which is such a large portion of internet users. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like the solution for Google and Facebook would be you need to spin these businesses off. Like we need to split these up. Instagram needs to be a separate company. Um, Messenger needs to be a separate company. WhatsApp needs to be a separate company. Um, Whereas I think the fix for Amazon is very different. I think the fix for Amazon is to just flat out tell them you can't sell your own products and run the platform. You can split them into two or you can stop doing one of those, but you can't do both. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy. The Amazon stuff is wild. I mean, they're there. And I've definitely, I mean, you could definitely see this. Uh, you know, if you're an avid Amazon user, which we all are, you can definitely see like, you know, Amazon is like eating these into these weird spaces. Like they make their own K cups. They make their own paper towels. They make I bought component cables the other day and the cheapest brand available and the highest like rated were Amazon's. And I was like, I I, I didn't want to buy from them. So I bought another random third party one. And when it came, it was like, uh, the the one that I got, it was clearly like a counterfeit product. It was clearly not like a real component cable that was done in a real by a real provider. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, I tossed that out and I had to go buy the Amazon one because, you know, electronic stores aren't open right now in, in Manhattan. So I was like, I, I'm really left with no option, especially during a pandemic. I really have no option other than to purchase this specific component cable or spend too much money. Right. And I think, I mean, it's, it's very often that you're looking for something on Amazon and you see, um, you know, it's like Amazon's choice and it's like Amazon basics or whatever, or it's like, you know, they have a really good deal on food. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a clear, there's a clear problem there. I do think for all of the convenience and excellence that Amazon can provide, 
there's also a huge part of it that's like it is really hurting a lot of businesses and a lot of you know ultimately consumers and i do think like you know if we're only concerned with getting like the cheapest price on something which like totally is totally understandable uh, but if that's the only concern and that's all we think, well, Amazon's job is to make sure we get the cheapest price on the thing you're looking for, then it's going to be easy to ignore where there are uh, obvious, you know, antitrust issues. And so, yeah. so look, anyhow, so get to my, to get to my point and then we should, you know, there's other stuff to talk about, but like what I hope happens now is that people hopefully are a little bit more aware that it's not just like tech reporters and, you know, nerds going like, Hey, have you noticed this is like a serious issue? And that that starts a little bit of, um, you know, obviously we can't trust the companies to self-regulate uh, 100%, but they can start, they could start to make changes, you know, before this goes to uh, antitrust case. And maybe that can start to help a little bit. And I, I think mean, like perfect example, when Microsoft invested into Apple and kept their competitor alive, it, listen, everybody won. Everybody won from that. Like that, that wasn't the cure all for that problem, but it certainly was a way to help out with the issue and to admit that like, it's not good for Microsoft or consumers or any, or Apple if we don't have like two options. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's so hopefully, you know, we'll see some material change start to happen. At least people will start asking questions more, which I think is, is, you know, very important. It's very important that you're, I mean, look, do you know, on a daily basis, it's very important now to be thinking about the way these systems work and what you're taking from them, what you're getting out of them, what they're taking from you. Um, and look, I, I get it. You know, there are a lot of consumers who will say, what is, you know, who cares as long as I get the thing that I need at the lowest price? You know, isn't that a, isn't that a uh, positive, you know, doesn't that, doesn't that solve the problem for, for the consumer? But I think it's like when you think about the entire ecosystem, when you think about um, you know, when you think about th- small businesses and an entrepreneurial sort of the entrepreneurial spirit of the American, you know, business, uh, you know, it's just like, so you want to like create a market for them. You want to have a market exist. And if a monopoly is eating that market every time they get off the ground, that's a real fucking problem. And so, you know, I think, I, you know, I, I think something does have to change, uh, and I hope it changes soon, you know? Yeah, uh, and I and I hope it doesn't wreck my uh, great prime delivery times that I've been getting lately. <laughs> um, anyhow, Herman Cain, Herman Cain yeah. is dead. You well, know, rest in, rest in peace. Herman Cain was a man who ran for uh, the Republican nomination in two thousand and. He's a pizza guy. Twelve, I want to say. He was like the CEO of a pizza place called like. What's the name of the pizza place? Um, it's not not Papa John's. Apparently, all the pizza guys are Republicans. Herman Cain is called like uh, Godfather's f- Pizza. Godfather's Pizza, which is a pretty big chain, right? Um, Godfather's Pizza. Anyhow, Herman Cain was uh, seventy-four. He had he had uh, I think recovered from cancer, but had cancer, so he had some. Um, uh, but he died from COVID nineteen. Sorry, we should say. Uh, which he, he didn't believe in. <laughs> he didn't believe in, and he uh, went to this Tulsa rally uh, that pr- Trump had his h- hilarious and embarrassing rally where he was. They were like, "We have eight hundred thousand people signed up," and it was like there were like six thousand people there, six thousand fucking dumbasses, and uh, and you know people weren't wearing masks, and 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 Herman Cain was like, he was like tweeting about it. 
he was like, no one's wearing masks. We're fed up with this BS. And it's like, okay, nine days later, he was diagnosed with COVID-19. And a month after that, the guy's, the guy's dead. And all I can say is, you know, if you still think that wearing a mask is some like violation or that it doesn't matter or whatever, like you're fucking stupid. I mean, I just don't know what else to say. Like you have a brain, you have like, you have peanut butter in your brain or something. Like, I mean, I'm at the point where like, if you, if you don't believe in it, fine. Like go, like I, I'm not, I'm clearly not going to stop you. And I don't want to fight about this. And I don't want you spreading your information by yelling at it. So go do it. You don't want to wear a mask, breathe deep and let's see how it goes. And if you end up getting it and maybe your relatives will learn a lesson from that. And I'm the same way with the hydroxychloroquine. You want to take a fucking drug that doesn't work and will probably kill you? Have at it. I, I, yeah. I like I, I at this point you, you you're gonna have to learn the hard way. Well, um, yeah. I mean, the only issue with that is that you know that drug is actually used to treat real things, and people were like, when it's when all this stuff started, they're like, oh, there's shortages. Like we don't have enough of it for people. Yeah, who have, like malaria. Obviously, those people who need it first. I mean, we have someone on our staff who uses it. Like they should have a, an ample supply before anybody else gets it. But from that point on, like you want to take a thing that doesn't do anything and walk around without a mask. Good luck. Yeah. You yeah. can be just like your hero, Herman Cain. Herman Cain. You can go to the great, the big godfather's pizza in the sky like he did. Um, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to joke about the guy's death, but I will say, you know. I'm more you, no Republican. I mean, you reap what you sow. Let's just put it that way. You reap what you sow. And people who are out here trying to make sure they don't get this and they don't spread it are wearing masks and they're not acting like it's a uh, controversial topic. They're following the advice of doctors and experts and epidemiologists. And you either do that and you care about the people around you and yourself or you don't for some reason that nobody fucking understands or cares about and you're going to get yourself killed and you're going to get other people killed. And it's a very irresponsible and ugly way to move through the world. And I and I and it's hard for me to feel sad about a person dying who basically didn't have to if they had just listened to what experts said. And there's a lot of, by the way, there are, are a lot of stories that you can read now where people are like, they thought it was a joke. Then they got COVID-19. Now they're on a respirator. It's like, well, that's exactly what fucking, it's like, you know, you're driving and you don't wear your seatbelt and you go through your windshield. It's like, well, they didn't, they thought wearing their seatbelt was a violation of their personal rights. It's like, yeah, well, that's why you're fucking dead now. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you, you value your a personal ability to, to, to disregard things that will keep you safe higher than your own, uh, in existence like I, I don't know what to tell you about that it's it's sad listen if you want to die for a fantasy go right ahead I, it, yeah. but don't you know, take other people with you that's the problem that, with this that, disease and that is the problem but it is also a thing of like I, you know what and maybe you know if you if you truly deeply believe in this like complete nonsense thing that's fine what I have an issue with is like spreading it to people who ha- don't have the capacity or the information to understand and yeah that is where I'm just like, I'm sick of hearing these people yell the loudest. Like, I, like I, I'm just, I, I would prefer Joe Rogan not talk about COVID if he's going to continue having this platform either way. Like, I just yeah. don't need your opinion. Just don't bring up stuff you don't know about. That's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, they, they are, um, they are, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, cra- it's a crazy situation, man. I don't fully understand it. You know, when I hear experts speak on matters of science that I have no, understanding or knowledge of i'm like tell me what to do just like give me the i i don't think i'm going to be able to figure this out by reading 4chan so tell me what you know right now and i'll and it's crazy 
because the same people who in my family who are com- believe complete nonsense are the people who are the first to call me up and tell me ask me how to fix their Wi-Fi router. And it's like, so you clearly understand that there are people who are experts on things that you don't know. So what is it about medicine that you think like it's about your like if I if I'm angry enough, it's like that's not how it works. What are you talking about? Like right. it, 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 we live in a <laughs> we live in a physical world. Like I don't know what to tell you. The, you. Do you want a microscope? Do I need to teach you? Do we have to do 15 years of medical science for you so that like because you can't trust anybody? I, yeah. And that's no, the problem it's... with conspiracy theories. I mean, that's the problem with this whole culture of like Trump's whole culture of conspiracy theories and his whole culture of basically trying to do the secret for history or science or politics or the economy is if you just boldly do stuff like a con man does, if you just confidently do something, it will eventually, through just sheer force of you refusing for it not to, do what you want it to do. And that works when it comes to ripping people off and it works when it comes to tricking the court system and it works when it comes to like elections and it works when it comes to lying about your personal life. But it doesn't work when it comes to like viruses and it doesn't work when it comes to the global economy and it doesn't work when it comes to like law law enforcement. Like you can't yeah. tell cops to or not to do X, Y, and Z. Like th- this issue is going to rage whether or not you like repeat the phrase law and order over and over and over again. Yeah. And well, at that point, we should talk about Portland. Oh, yeah. I mean, Portland. And New York at this point. And New York. Yeah. I mean, we've got, I mean, wow, this is real upbeat topics we've got here. Um, you know, hey, 200, this is where we're at. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You want to dig us, you want to dig us out to a, a better place by 250 or 300? You know what you need to do. Yeah. I'd vote for my man Biden. Join the Biden Brigade. The Biden brothers, as we're all called. The blue boys. Uh, yeah. The boys the in blue. blue. Boys in wait, blue. Damn it. Not, no, wait. No, fuck. The other. <laughs> The people in in a the people in a in a in a range of color, um no the so so uh, yeah so Portland I mean you know people were like uh you know look people were like first off the protests have been going on and on and on you know they don't get media coverage like they did before but people are out protesting uh in support of racial equality and justice and Black Lives Matter. Uh, and still, and still, uh, protesting for Breonna Taylor and for for George Floyd and for everybody, every every person of color, every black person who's been killed for no fucking reason by the police, which and there is a lot of them, you know, and and not a lot of justice being doled out on the flip side of it, and um, so you know these protests have been going on, you know, Portland has has gotten into a place where, uh, you know, they've Trump sent in federal agents department of homeland security forces whatever those are um to protect quote unquote protect federal buildings it's just like this big ruse like so people are like spray painting federal buildings or like starting fires outside of them or whatever they're not burning them down okay none of them have been burned down none of them have been blown up nobody's been shot nobody's been killed to be clear protesters amount of things that amount of people they've killed zero Amount of people they've shot, zero. Amount of people they've run over with their cars, zero. Amount of buildings they've burned down. I mean, maybe there's a few across the country. Uh, but, like, it's not like all of Portland has been charred, you know, it's now ash, right? It's like they lit a fire on the steps of a federal building. Anyhow, I'm not saying people should be lighting things on fire. I don't think that. And I don't think they should be looting either. And I think that the people who are lighting things on fire and looting are doing a disservice to the vast majority of people who are actually out there protesting for the right reasons and trying to get their voices heard and trying to make it clear that yeah, people aren't going to take this shit. the problem that that is, is that 
no form of protest should be convenient and you know looting and stuff is is a last resort for people who feel that the social contract has broken down and that they don't even when they do sit-ins and even when they you know do go to hunger strikes nobody gives a shit about their lives or what happens yeah. to them and yeah. so nobody well, should be looting in an ideal world but i do understand why it's happening and i think as with most things we would do better to look at the underlying societal causes than find individual people and put like disappear them in a van yeah i so so right so so you know let's just say there's some there's a small handful of people who are doing things that would be like misdemeanors for the most part okay right like spray painting on a building yeah uh which is like not anything you know what I mean? Like, like really. ripping down a security camera or knocking over a statue or like things yeah. that are are definitely inconvenient and definitely like crimes or whatever under, you know, and, and a, totally, an ethical law system would still be crimes. And totally like, yes, fine. It's a crime to burn down a building, of course. But that's beside the point because this is like this is not that is not the widespread point of these protests, nor is it the widespread result or uh, what happens in these protests. So, so to, to make, to make my point, um, so then, so, so Trump sends in these federal agents, uh, ostensibly to presumably to, uh, protect these federal, uh, pieces of property, which is the only justification they can find. The governor's like, get them the fuck out of here. The mayor's like, get them the fuck out of here. Um, but they're there. Right. And, um, and they start pulling people off of the streets randomly. And throwing them into these vans, like fucking minivans. And, uh, you know, people have it on video and it's terrifying. It's terrifying because when people get a, typically when you get arrested in this country, a person in, an, in a uniform with a badge, like who identifies themselves, like goes through a procedure. Like there are things like even look, we can agree that uh, often people are arrested for the wrong reasons or for no reason at all, you know, or for reasons that are nefarious like the color of their skin i mean but, it, it is the meme of republicans uh want unmarked vans and democrats are like mark the vans and i yeah. get that like that is a meme for a reason and but there is a threshold that we cross a different thing that we cross when we have a secret police that is a yeah, different I mean, we're, scenario we're, than an unjust police and it's i think far right. worse I think we should just agree on a few basic things here, okay? I understand Republicans, again, are always on the wrong side of history on almost every topic related to um, governance in America and around the world. But, um, you know, Republicans will – you'll meet no group of people who are more loudly uh, invoking on a regular basis the need for their free speech to be honored and the need for law and order and the need for states' rights. Um, And all of those things are – uh, being absolutely f- deleted from this process, you know, and and when you have like unmarked cars and unnamed, unmarked officers, whoever they are, wherever they're from, taking people without Miranda rights to undisclosed locations. I mean, American citizens, right? I'm not trying to be dramatic. That's fucked. That's really fucked. Like, there's something really, really wrong with that. That's relatively unprecedented in this country. We see it in in other countries. We see it in nations that are in the midst of civil wars. We see it in in, in countries that are run by authoritarian uh, uh, leaders like you know uh, Putin. Um, and it's like you know people get disappeared. 
And we're dangerously close to that happening. Of course, now, look, we've got Guantanamo. We're not, we're not, our hands are not clean in this country. But when but it comes you do, to like. You do cross a threshold when you have, you know, our, the, our, our, our public, uh, the, the police, not the military, not there. The, you, there's a lot of people who can do things wrong. But when you have a secret police operating against the American people in throughout the United States, major cities, uh, especially the disadvantaged, that that's a different, that's yeah, yeah. way I, worse than already I mean, bad. <laughs> I mean, you know, Trump and his, and his crew call these people terrorists and rioters and all this shit. And it's like, that's not actually reality. There's no terrorists. The terrorists are the white supremacists. The terrorists are the people who back Trump. The terrorists are the people who've been responsible for hundreds, actually, been responsible for hundreds of murders over the last uh, uh, 20 years. Those are right-wing white supremacists. Those are the people who are the actual terrorists in this country. They really are. Uh, and, 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 and Trump is, wants to label these this other group of people because he needs a villain. Just like he needed the villain before the midterms. We, we had a caravan of, of immigrants who also, oh, by the way, the caravan coming from the, from the South uh, from South America was and from Mexico was also carrying uh, terrorists who were hiding out, who wanted to blow things up and bomb America. And it's like that shit isn't that's like not real. It's a, it's a fantasy created by the right wing to hold power. And this is like what he's doing, what they're doing in Portland, which now apparently they say they're pulling out of Portland um, is is a is a kind of like is a move in the direction of a kind of authoritarian um, uh, leadership that everybody and Republicans included should, should be rejecting as loudly and strongly as possible. It's just that the Republicans can't see the, they can't see like the, the end game of this, right? Which is like a person like Donald Trump, once he gets rid of the people that are like clearly the enemies of his, his, his group, then the next thing he'll do is turn his set his sights on the enemies within his group, right? And it's not long before he said before a person who's a true authoritarian says, "Well, what do I need the Senate for? What do I need Congress for at all? Like they just get in the way of me making decisions, you know? Because that is how these things go. That is the direction they move in. It's not like, oh, I'm 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 good enough with having this much power, but it'll be checked by my own party, you know? That's not how Hitler played it." You know, and, and I hate to make the Hitler comparisons, but it's really the only thing that we it's the closest thing we have to compare it to at this point. Um, this apparently is happening as well. There's video of this this uh, protester, trans protester who get, gets pulled into this minivan again. It looks like, you know, your 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 mom and dad's minivan uh, with these cops that are like, plain clothes officers, I guess. I mean, there's some debate about whether they were uh, whether there's any actual markings that they're that they're police officers and then they're kind of like they're backed up by a bunch of bike cops bike cops who are my favorite my favorite like lame whack ass cops who use their bikes as like a way to like keep people away from them which i think is a hilarious and and uh very just funny looking thing to do um but like but like it's scary it's really fucked up you know and like i don't think i think if we're gonna arrest somebody there has to be some it, it cannot be you grab somebody and throw them in a van it just that's that can't be the way it is in this country. If that's I the mean, way it is, then then it raises all kinds of questions about like what's really going on with the way that we're policing these streets. And by the way, this is exactly why people want to fucking defund the police. This is exactly why people think the police have too much power and too much money and too much say in how we how we uh, live day to day. I you mean, know? it's well summed up by the quote from Battlestar Galactica that, you know, where they said there's a reason why you separate the military and the police. Because one fights the enemies of the state and the other one serves and protects the people. And when the military is both, then the enemies of the state 
tend to become the people. And when you combine that with like the no true Scotsmanism of Trump, where they just keep changing who, you know, suddenly Jeff Sessions is a traitor. And then, you know, suddenly every single person is a traitor and they can keep yeah. moving the goalposts over who's a good person and who isn't because truly all it comes down to is loyalty to Trump and usefulness to Trump. It, it You have a scenario where, I mean, it's just fascism. I mean, at that point you have a, just a, a, an insane dictator. And I know that it sounds, I mean, it, it sounds so outrageous and so like extreme and, but I don't know what else you need to see at this point that that's like where we're heading towards. And right. Right. Yeah, I mean, listen. I'm just really, I'm just really frustrated because I, like, I at this point, I don't know how what to do, you know, except leave. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, the funny thing is, you can't leave. I mean, Americans aren't even really able to travel anywhere right now. Like, you couldn't go, you couldn't go to Canada if you wanted to. They won't let, they won't let you in. You know, like, I was. My big hope, my big hope is that they eventually decide to let New York in if New York does a good job of keeping our specific numbers down. I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe, but the point, I mean, the irony of it all is like we're like trapped inside this now. You know, we're like, where there is, I like literally, literally not like you can't get out like, oh, like that's a pipe dream. No, like, we're trapped. Well, in, we're, we're trapped in this, in the sense of like a horror movie. The serial killer is yeah. in the house. Yeah. Yeah. And that on, and the doors have been like bolted from the outside and like yeah. you are, no, I mean like, you know, that's the funny thing I said to Laura, I was like, yeah, we should just move. And she's like, we can't. I'm like, oh yeah, we can't, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy time that we live in. It's a wonderful time. I'm just wondering, I've been thinking this whole time, like, is the raccoon still sleeping in the garage? <laughs> it's a great metaphor for America. You know, when will the raccoon, Let sleeping raccoon, when lie. will the, when will the fat, violent, uh, uh, very sleepy raccoon who do, who shit took a shit on, uh, in my garage and ate all the bird seed. When will that creature leave you know will it be in november i'm sorry i guess january of 2021 will we be able to get to vote out that creature in in november or not I think how nice christmas will be the whole like hanukkah oh. new year's well, season except it for your family so magical oh you, i don't you, care I, if i can have hot cocoa and know that my presents are coming next month i don't give a shit <laughs> listen i'm not gonna get i'm not gonna get ahead of myself i try not to fantasize about oh like, it's wait, all i do i torture myself i know i know i just we just have to we just got to get people voting we just got to get you know what we need is we need the teens you get to, come on gen gen z i mean come you on you guys up. do it for k-pop you can do it for us i mean just show up just be like just be as good on tiktok as you you know be as good at the polls as you are on tiktok that's all we're asking for is that too much to sometimes, ask sometimes i just sit around and i fantasize about like when i would listen to political podcasts and get like my hackles up about the filibuster or like have some strong opinions about like you know yeah fucking housing reform <laughs> now i'm just like oh I, uh, I torture myself thinking about it but don't do it i can't don't, i can't do don't it don't torture yourself you know what we just have to get the vote out 
Um, all right. Any other important topics that we need to tackle? I feel like we. I feel like we've been through a lot, but not that many. I feel like there are other things happening this week. What have we missed? There are other stuff. We could talk about either the Facebook egg thing, or we could talk about uh, my uh, Xbox event. Uh, we talked about it with Craig a little bit last week. But. Yeah, I honestly, egg is like I'm. You know, egg is like a. I have not that much interest in it. Although, just you know, is to say that you know anything that Facebook made. So Facebook made a new app. Which is like crazy, like shit posting app. Like you can post crazy, weird, ugly. Like it's kind of like the way the internet used to be, like back in the GeoCity days or blingy. whatever. Yeah, it's like blingy. But like I, I just the second it's like oh, brought to you by Facebook. I'm like, yeah, I'm not really interested. I mean, if it was the coolest app in the world, like I, the only, the only like, like WhatsApp, uh, and Instagram are like. They still feel like first off, they were started as as non Facebook products, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 secondly, like they still feel like they have not been integrated into. I mean, Instagram more so, but for the most part, I feel like um, I don't. I'm. It's they don't feel really integrated into the Facebook ecosystem, which which is like which is fine and great. I just don't want to engage with any further. Like those were like historic programs that I was using and continue to use. I don't even want to engage with like new apps that they're creating. Like, I, that just I doesn't saying, feel. I was saying in Slack the other day that I, I have this Oculus and I love using it and I think it is a really good product, but I don't really use it because every time I buy an app for it or like put more personal information into it, I know that I'm helping Facebook and I'm not being dramatic when I say that like I hate that company i hate them like i hate them like i hate poison like i do not want to help them i want nothing to do with them i have an instagram specifically for work i have a facebook account specifically for work if it were up to me i would completely divest from that company and so you know every time they come out with something new and i feel bad because there are people i have friends who work at instagram friends who work at facebook i feel bad because i know there are people there who are trying to make good products but you know i'm sure there are some really nice stormtroopers but yeah. like I can't I can't do it anymore. And I, I, I don't think Mark Zuckerberg understands. I mean, it, it's he said earlier this year, we don't care about being liked anymore. We just want to be understood without understanding that like we do understand you and that's why we don't like you. Um, I don't think he knows like the kind of damage he's done to his brand because there was a time when I was like excited about Facebook and excited about what they were gonna do and like you know, connecting the world. I mean, think how short a time ago Sheryl Sandberg did an entire media victory lap about leaning in. And now, you know, she's enemy number one for a lot of people. And so I don't know, like I look at this egg thing and even if they hadn't had some huge ethical oversights, like they were stealing artists work, the entire product itself seems to be heavily inspired by other services. Um, I just, even if it was cool, like I, I'm, it's, they also dropped that like reels thing. That's a competitor to TikTok, And it's like, as much as I think a cool new TikTok competitor would be great. Yeah. I'm not using Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 so I've, I feel I've never, uh, been, uh, I, I feel like I've never been a fan of Facebook from day one. See, I like um, that they cleaned things up a bit. I was a MySpace kid. I was a Blogspot kid, and things were ugly and messy. And there's a lot to be said for ugly and messy. And Lord knows, I am now on the other side of that opinion. But there was a time when it was really refreshing that Facebook was clean and put together, and you could enter information and it would put it in an easily readable, standardized way. And 
I could do posts that were clean and professional looking, but had my opinion in them and my friends would respond. Like I liked that. It was good for college, but you know, obviously that was a world ago. You know, I, they haven't, there was a time when I thought that was cool. And there was a time when I thought Instagram was like fun to use. Like, do you remember like liking Instagram? Um, I mean, not, I'm not, you know, it's, I think I use these things differently than a lot of people. You know, it's like I, I, when I first got Instagram, I mean, I think I was using Android at the time. And so I think it was one of those things where I didn't even have it for the first, you know, couple of years because I was like on Android most of the time. And, um, and then I got it and, uh, I was like, okay, cool. Like, and I'm like, I'll mess around with this and just put pictures on here. Like any normal user. I, I don't need to share. I share a lot, you know, I'm sharing a lot all over the place and I don't feel an intense need. Like if I really want to share something important, like I'll write about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't like to, I don't like to share my personal life that much. Like there are people who are like their whole, their whole, and this is fine. If you're like this, like that you put your whole life on there, that you're happy to like talk about things you're doing. Like that is not, has never been that appealing to me or felt that comfortable to me. And, um, I agree with that. I feel like the only way reason I like Twitter is that I do like writing, you know, and, and that is a way of writing. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think even Twitter to me is like very much now it's, it's a work thing. I like to, to bullshit on it sometimes, but like, you know, Trump has really ruined the internet. It's hard to remember, like, you know, remember Trump's been campaigning for a long time that we had to go through the whole 2016 election cycle with Trump in the mix and and the just the ugliness of all of this it's been so ugly for so long now that i don't really enjoy like the social spaces on the internet that much like i i don't they're just not a place where i feel inspired or excited about spending time for the most part um the internet and, used to be fun and now it's serious business all the time yeah and so so i guess like yeah i mean i I, I use everything a little bit begrudgingly at this point. I'm kind of like, oh, I'll use WhatsApp because it's the easiest to do X, Y, and Z. But like, I'm not, you know, I'm not like, oh man, this app fills me with pleasure. Like Twitter is occasionally entertaining, often really hard. Um, Instagram is nice, but I've become bored with Instagram, especially during quarantine. I feel like there's something about it now that feels like I, there are people I follow on Instagram who used to post like things that they're doing and now they just post like memes and stuff. And I'm kind of like, well, if I want to see memes, like I can go look at them elsewhere on the internet. My favorite social network um, on the internet, and I don't even really use it in a social way, is Pinterest. Like, I get more joy out of Pinterest than I do out of any other. Because it is pretty private. I mean, it's private. It's private, and all my boards are, for the most part, are private. And uh, and it's like an exploration of things that I'm really like, sort of passionate about and interested in that have nothing to do with news or voicing my opinion or you know, it's like very personal stuff that I'm often like collecting on there. And so, um, you know, it's like, I'll go down a rabbit hole on like weird German radios. We talked about this in one of the podcasts or I'll like get really into a certain type of like, you know, a mid-century bench then like go down a weird rabbit hole on that or whatever. And it's a really pleasurable experience. I wish more, that's how Tumblr used to be. I wish more, I used to post on Tumblr all the time before they did all the censorship shit, not because I was posting porn or whatever, but like, I just think they made the wrong decision and they put their efforts in the wrong place. Like they should have been enforcing bad actors instead of worrying about like women's breasts. Like, um, but like, but Tumblr was like that for a while where it was just about an exchange of like art and ideas and weird memes and just like stuff that like I actually found really enjoyable that wasn't about like the thing, like this, 
like of this moment, right? This second, you know, like in the news or in, you know, even in my personal life. And so I think slower. Yeah. I think, um, I think like, yeah. So, so, so my relationship, but Facebook was always a thing where I was like, you know, I was coming off of MySpace and Friendster and another social network where you were like expected to like list your interests and, you know, figure out who your real friends were and like share things. So I was like, well, there's already a lot of ways that I do that, you know? And so I'm, I was obviously late to Facebook because I didn't start using it when I was in college. Um, so I think it might be a different experience for me. I, you know, and then the bigger it got, the less attractive it's been, you know? And the only time I've ever really used Facebook is for, you know, like business reasons. Like I don't connect with people there. There, I have some friends on there that I occasionally will talk to, but for the most part, it's like, well, if I want to post a link or I, I need to connect it, my account to like one of our, you know, business accounts, because, you know, I need to be an admin for a page or something like that. I just, it just isn't my, you know, this is maybe a downer, but I just don't, I just don't get that much out of it, you know? And it's also different. I think when you're, when you have like a lot of followers. I'm saying I have a lot of followers, but like on Twitter, I've got like a pretty good amount of followers. On Instagram, I've got like 19, 20,000 followers or something. And like, you know, it's an it's it's different when you post something when you've got that many people following you. Like, I I don't post a lot of pictures of Zelda on Instagram because I feel like it, it's kind of uncomfortable and weird, and like I don't want a bunch of strangers looking at it. But I also don't feel the need to like make my account private because I also don't want to like manage that. You know, um, it ju- I just don't post that much. So. Yes, my weird ramble about my association association with with apps. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Now I'm done. Now I'm finished. How do we get on this topic? I don't even know. I don't know. Egg. We can move on. Yeah, egg. Right. Yeah, let's do nice things. Let's do. Ow. Ow. Sorry. I just moved my back in a weird way and I have to go. I'm getting an MRI in uh, like a half an hour. So we're going to get to the bottom of this back issue that I'm having. Um, But uh, what a way to celebrate 200. What a way. (laughs) What a way. All right. Yeah, let's do nice things. You go first. Um, This week is a nice thing for someone else. I really, I like Taylor Swift. It goes one way or the other with me. Like, it's like, it's fine. Or this is great. Or it's fine. Or it's great. I don't, you know, the worship of Taylor Swift is kind of beyond me. And, um, you know, I'm obviously a Gaga person. Uh, but my husband loves Taylor Swift. And to mm. have like a surprised album drop that is perfectly in his genre he loves like really emotional reflective slow music he loves like you know his ideal evening is listening to just like women with a guitar like whale um and so a guitar (laughs) i'm not laughing at that but it's just i like that's like a wailing woman is the ideal oh yeah he loves a broken bird a wailing woman a sad dad and this is the nexus of all of those things. And he loves Taylor Swift. So this was like a good thing. And uh, he's had a really hard week uh, at work. And every time he pulls out an earbud, I he I ask him, are you listening to Folklore? And he says, yes. And so he's really enjoying it. I think a lot of people are really enjoying it. And, you know, I think in the music scene, we tend to like make women way more polarizing than we make the work of men. But and Taylor Swift certainly has had polarizing moments, deserved and undeserved. Um, but I think everybody's come around to say that this is a nice, good album that means a lot to a lot of people. And that they think it's generally really well written. And I think that's nice. It was nice to have something this week that even if I wasn't interested in it, that everybody came together over. Like, I didn't see anybody being like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to this community. Or like, you know, this thing is fighting my free speech. It was just everyone's like, it's a nice album and i like it 
And even if it's not for me, I I like seeing that. Especially I like seeing my husband just have one nice, good thing. I love seeing him just be happy with one thing. Well, it's hard these days. Yeah. It's hard to find anything that's good. Um, I haven't listened to it yet, actually. Uh, I know that I know that that uh, Taylor Taylor fans are very excited. We have a new and we have a new staff member, our social editor Alexis, and they're uh, a major Taylor Swift fan, and uh, apparently, you know, very excited about this. From what I can tell, um, I uh, yeah, I have to I have to listen to it. I haven't had a lot of time to listen to music. It's recently. good. I mean, not this isn't a knock. All the songs sound very similar because it is a concept album of like one piece. Um, and it's very autumnal. So it is sad and slow and it's patient um, and it is very similar. So you'll know within a few songs if this album is for you or not. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's bad. It's, it isn't for me, but it doesn't mean it's a bad album, certainly. Um, right, right. And then so there was that this week. And then um, also there are two N64 games, which I will have dropped a review of by the time this show is up. Uh, on inputmag.com there are two new n64 games created by fans full games uh one of which is called the legend of zelda the missing link which takes place between ocarina of time and majora's mask and fills Mm. in some story gaps um and the other one is banjo kazooie the jiggies of time which is a banjo kazooie game completely set in the world of hyrule and it's very long and it is very involved but it certainly feels like a real game and it's very surreal to be living in a world where, like, a couple people in their basement can make an N64 game. Like, that That's will cool. always blow my mind. That's very cool. Um, I have one. I think I really have one nice thing this week, which is uh, I started, you know, I have HBO Max now because I'm, like, grandfathered into it. I started watching um, the show Doom Patrol, which is something that I was vaguely aware of as a show that existed. Um, it was part of the DC Universe, like streaming service which was like nobody subscribed to from what i could tell i mean it was like just dc content i feel like we maybe talked about it one time on the show yeah we talked um, about the harley quinn show that has since moved to hbo max because right they there's like a harley quinn show? audience is yeah, it a the cartoon harley, it's uh, an adult cartoon so it's very right explicit. oh right right it's like it's like um yeah it's like a r-rated cartoon yeah um doom patrol is a show about a group of misfit superheroes um, and it is, you know, it is one of these shows. There's like, there's a show called the Umbrella Academy. Um, and then there's the X-Men and they're all the same concept. It's like some old guy brings together a group of mutant misfits to like save the world or whatever. But Doom Patrol apparently was predated the X-Men. It was created like six months before the X-Men. That's the only way I know them is that I remember the like, you know, the X-Men are a copyright thing. And yeah, yeah, I didn't I I was not really aware of this at all. And um, and the creator of of Doom Patrol, I was just reading up on this was like, yeah, you know, I think like Stan Lee like might have ripped me off like the more that I think about it. And he's like, you know, there were a lot of writers and editors going and, and, and artists going back and forth between Marvel and DC. Doom Patrol is DC and and uh, X-Men is, is obviously Marvel. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. But like it's so at first I was like, oh, it's like another show. Like I started watching I'm like, how is it possible that they were like, we're going to do a thing where it's like this professor basically and his like team of ragtag misfits or whatever. But it actually is very weird and very good and surprisingly funny in 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 surprisingly like heartfelt. I mean, it has some episodes where I'm like, all right, that was a bit 
that's a bit much, but it also is like, it's very much like a comic. It's comic books from like the fifties and sixties. Like oh, that's the, that. that's the vibe of it, but it's like, it's got a really interesting storyline. It has really well-developed characters. It has amazing acting. And I mean, everybody's great. And Brendan Fraser's in it, um, though he largely plays the, he's the voice of a character named Robot Man. Um, and uh, there's this actress, Diane Guerrero, who plays uh, a character named Jane with multiple personalities. She's just an amazing actress. I mean, everybody's excellent in it. Uh, Matt Bomer's in it who plays, I think, ironically, a guy who always wears bandages over his face. Because I think Matt Matt Bomer's thing is he's, like, really handsome. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, you basically hardly ever see him in the show. Um, it's funny because and- that's, that's also just his thing. <laughs> right, right. Well, him and, him and Brendan Fraser are basically, like, always unseen. Um, and it's just very good. It's just a really entertaining show. I've watched, like, I watched all of season one and started on season two last night. There's two seasons. I think season two got cut short because of COVID-19. Um, but it's, it just like, is like much, much, much better than I expected it to be. And much better than most comic book TV shows that I've seen. It like, it it is both serious and thoughtful in a way that many of those shows are not. And it is funny and fun in a way that many of those shows are not. And so like, you know, and I've been kind of desperate to like get into something recently, like to watch at night when I'm just too exhausted to do anything else. You know, like at the end of the day, I'm like too tired to play video games. Like that's how exhausted I feel. Oh, hundred percent. I've been falling asleep at nine o'clock yeah. at the latest. Yeah, it doesn't help that I have prescription muscle relaxers now that they're like take after dinner, and it's like two hours later I'm like snoring. Um, but uh, but yeah, like. It's just a super fun show, really good. I really I've enjoyed it. I recommend it. I hope that it is a breakout success from HBO Max because like I think it deserves to be. I think it like deserves a third season. I hope it gets more. I like and I'm very interested in seeing like more of the stories from the show. So, you know, like it it just is I I just think it's like it's a weird gem just was, you know, a diamond in the rough. Um, there's a lot of stuff on HBO max that I'm not interested in. And this is one that I have gotten really interested in and I recommend it. And that is my nice thing. Great. Well, the end, everybody go watch TV shows. Thank you for tuning in for 200 episodes of this insanity. And, uh, we're going to have at least 200 more. So just buckle up. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week with more tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best, though I have just been informed that your family is also asleep in my garage.